Um, as the losses continue to mount for Vladimir Putin, there's added discussion or continued discussion, maybe, as to how he may react, as it seems like any prospect of victory that he may have imagined at one point seems less and less likely. Um, as you know, recently, his forces have lost a lot of the territory that they had gained. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of Russians have fled the country rather than answer his call for conscripts. Uh, there's protests in the street and always lurking in the background. And he's talked about it in a number of addresses recently is Russia's nuclear arsenal. If that could ever be used and, and, and what it, how it changes this whole conversation. So to talk to that, uh, with us, we have Dr. Alexander Lanoshka, who's an assistant professor of international relations at the University of Waterloo. Doctor, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for having me on your program today. So Putin, he's always talked about the nuclear arsenal right from the beginning of this. Uh, he's brought it up on more than a few occasions. It never goes away. It's always something that it has to be a consideration in any planning around the situation in Ukraine, right? In a way, sure. And it has been. After all, he did invoke the nuclear card fairly early on in the special military operation when he announced uh, extra staffing at Russian nuclear command and control facilities. But that being said, we haven't really seen too much in the way of new deployment. We don't see a heightened level of readiness. We don't see anything that would indicate any unique preparations for undertaking any sort of nuclear strike of any sort of uh, scale. So it seems like it's mostly rhetorical at this time, and I haven't really clearly seen a theory that would link uh, any use of nuclear weapons on the part of Putin to achieving whether uh, victory over Ukraine or even staying in power. Okay, now there was a story earlier this week, and I'm going to see if I have it here, where there was a convoy that was uh, part of the... Um the Russian military division that deals with nuclear weapons had launched a convoy and people were saying, what does this mean? And all kinds of speculation. But you're saying, as far as the intelligence community knows, there's no real indicators that anything has been advanced beyond just rhetoric. That convoy was simply the result of some tweeting on the basis of maybe a telegram post. Uh, and it was, it was something that indicated some movement of uh, a military unit that's yeah. connected to uh, nuclear forces. But really, it, those things are regular and they don't really amount to much. It's not like uh, Russia puts nuclear weapons on rail cars and so forth. And much of the academic and policy community has tried to refute the Telegraph article that picked up those tweets. Okay. and disseminated them publicly. So there's not much there there as regards to that specific story. Can you help us make the distinction with what we would know as nuclear weapons and tactical nuclear weapons and how one seems to be more likely in some circles of thought and what the difference is there? In some ways, there is no difference. A nuclear weapon is a nuclear weapon. But that being said, there are differences in terms of the delivery vehicles used as well as the yields that they would have. Tactical nuclear weapons being of much smaller yields, perhaps uh, uh, for battlefield use. Strategic nuclear weapons, much larger yields fitted on strategic uh, ballistic missiles that could be intended for targets much further away from Russia, targets perhaps those on the continental United States. But again, a nuclear weapon is a nuclear weapon. Right, yeah. And so for many people, it'll be taboo breaking whether it is a low yield 
a weapon comparable to the sort of, that we have seen uh, used against Japan or something far bigger that could be used to decimate a major urban center. And that's an important distinction in terms of the way this is all playing out. It doesn't matter what scale of weapon is used, right? It would be breaking that nuclear taboo that you talk about, and, and that line has been crossed no matter what, right? I would, I would say so. That being said, there could be an argument for the use of a tactical nuclear weapon against a, a military target, perhaps one where facilities are very much hardened. You can't yeah. use typical conventional munition to destroy it. Alternatively, as some have uh, speculated, um, there could be a massing of Ukrainian armed forces such that Russian military leaders might find it very tempting to take it, uh, those forces out with a nuclear weapon. There might be a military rationale to that effect. However, the Ukrainian armed forces don't really mass their forces in such a way as to provide such a tempting target. In fact, they've been uh, pretty good at dispersing and using small um, uh, unit-level tactics all the same. And Ukraine's a very large territory, too, so any sort of military effectiveness will probably be very limited in scope. All the same, as I you know, would need to reiterate, it'll be taboo-breaking, yeah, regardless yeah. of the military value, which I think is questionable to begin yeah, with. Yeah, and it sounds, so, so you, I mean, we, and I mean, of course, you're, you're more immersed in this world than I am, so you've obviously heard the people who say, well, once he gets desperate and there's no other options, it's certainly something that's on the table, and there's articles written about how he's not bluffing. You don't agree with that? You think it's all a bluff, and that's not something that's legitimately on the table for Vladimir Putin? Even when he talks about his weapons, people assume he's talking about nuclear weapons. He doesn't necessarily say um, or an, articulate a nuclear uh, threat very clearly. It's never been clear to me what is the theory of victory that he would have. In fact, one could argue that if he were to use a nuclear weapon of whatever yield, his international isolation would certainly deepen the security services within Russia will be uh, very much uh, divided on the question. And we are starting to see serious divisions within uh, the security elite uh, that's playing out. That will only widen with nuclear weapons use. He would lose a lot of leverage as a result of using nuclear weapons because the threat is... is that's that's the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it would necessitate some sort of response. I just don't see how it benefits him. I don't want to imply that the risk of nuclear weapons use is non-existent. Yeah. I think it is certainly higher than that which existed prior to the 24th of February, but I still think it remains very low precisely because it's really unclear how it benefits him considering the costs and the risks involved. That's absolutely. a good thing, thankfully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure it is. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.